0: Welcome, this is Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we have a conversation with Gao Bodapudi. Gao joined us here in our little studio to talk with us about the sacred practice of Agnihotra. And I know for most people, that is not a word you have heard before, so I'll explain. Agnihotra is an ancient technology in the Vedic life sciences. Its practice induces a harmonizing resonance to heal the environment and self through the element of fire. The healing fire is prepared in a copper pyramid using gumai, cow dung, and ghee, the only suitable organic fuel for Agnihotra. At the precise transitions of sunrise and sunset, an Agnihotri, practitioner, chants mantra while giving whole brown rice mixed with ghee a representation of self to the fire. You might ask yourself, why practice Agnihotra? Agnihotra attunes you to nature's circadian rhythm, bringing a sense of joy, mental clarity, and connection with nature. Agnihotra, in combination with Ayurvedic applications, have been shown to promote well being by increasing mental clarity, purifying the blood, reducing anxiety normalizing chemical and hormonal imbalances, reducing inflammation, treating drug addiction, treating insomnia, depression, increasing a sense of well-being, increasing love for all. It also promotes environmental restoration by increasing the quantity of food production, increasing the quality of food produced, protecting plants from harmful insects and bacteria, eliminating the use of herbicides, pesticides and chemicals, replenishing soil mineral levels, neutralizing harmful effects of radiation, including nuclear radiation. By the way, all of that material I just read to you is from the website awakeninnerfire.com, which is Gao's website about Agnihotra. He also has a quote on there that says, After practicing Agnihotra for two weeks on our family ranch, I noticed an increase in precipitation during a time of drought, and plant colors were more diverse and vibrant than previously observed. Now I will tell you, Gao is an extremely kind and generous person, and also happens to be a lawyer, which now that I'm saying that out loud, seems like a paradox. But Gao is one of those people that has clearly found his path and lives it. He's a very captivating speaker and has a wealth of knowledge to share. Let's go to the conversation with Gao, Tayana, and myself. Tell us about Agnihotra and and what that is
1: and how you got involved with that. Yeah, yeah, so in terms of Agnihotra, it's my life, my purpose in terms of why I'm here. And for me, it has been it's the level of appreciation and gratitude that i have to be here at this time and to have an opportunity to learn the practice and to be able to practice and learn more of the teachings and become immersed to incorporate as a practice uh i'm phenomenally grateful phenomenally grateful because it's a a very, very ancient technology, a very ancient science that has been lost to humanity for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. Agnihotra is a subset of what's called yajna. It's a Sanskrit term, yajna, from the Vedas. And a yajna, generally, is a fire that's prepared from specific organic materials, recited with particular mantra, with offerings to the fire, to have a particular biorhythmic effect on both the practitioner and on the environment. Agnihotra itself is the shortest yajna so it's only two months, or it's very short if you practice about 20 seconds of the actual offerings uh yet it's the most profound and foundational of all of the yajnas
2: were you raised with these practices or how did you come to know about these practices
1: so it so yes and no i was raised hindu mm-hmm. uh in a Hinduism itself as a religion, if you call it a religion, is based on the Vedic teachings, the Vedic knowledge. But the Vedic knowledge itself is independent of Hinduism. The Vedic knowledge is, this goes back, we can go more into it, but it's in essence revealed knowledge. And from those whose teachings were revealed to, they in turn transmitted and taught to humanity. For me... I I didn't know about Agni Hotra until I was in law school. And at that point it was a culmination of an extreme intense spiritual desire and drive for self-realization at all costs. And so much so that I knew without anyone telling me, I knew that my purpose here was to experience self-realization and help from there. And in that process, I came across a teacher who had taught me, Agnihotra. Up until that time, I was meditating. Uh, Vipassana was my foundation of meditation. But I felt unsettled and anxious because I knew I wasn't making the progress in meditation. And my mom, maybe mother's intuition, but she recognized that. And then she connected me to who is now my spiritual teacher. And he was the first person who I didn't meet him at the time, but when I spoke to him on the phone, he was the first person who I was able to ask questions to which up to that point I had not received. Answers that were satisfactory to me, including uh, What is Kundalini? What is cosmic consciousness? What is self-realization? And we had several phone conversations over the course of maybe a few months and With these answers I felt more settled more grounded for the first time and after All of my questions had been answered that I remember I was sitting and thinking, what would be the next question? And the next question was simply, okay, how do I get there? What do I have to do? And when, for me, the drive was strong enough, whatever path would take me there, I'm willing to do it, as long as it will surely take me there. And so that was when, and then he he recommended that I begin Agnihotra, and that's when I learned of Agnihotra for the first time. Uh, in, in terms of what Agni Hothra is itself, it's a combination of five things. It is One, there's an inverted pyramid, a copper pyramid, of certain dimensions about six and a quarter inches in length, six and a quarter inches in uh, width, and then the depth about two and a half inches. And there are uh, two grooves, so three, three sections of the pyramid. Pyramids operate similar to a magnifying glass. So if you're looking at, uh, if, you have, if you have the sun over your back and you're pointing the magnifying glass and it concentrates the solar, the light, and makes it really hot, that's what pyramids do. Pyra, fire, mid, middle. So it collects solar energy and brings it to the center. It's the nature of the geometry. Next is the fire of particular organic materials, specifically from the cow, cow dung, which is called gomai and ghee. If you have questions on that, we can get into why the cow. Next are the is it timing? So agni hothra can be performed only two times in the day where you are locally, and that's at the precise time of sunrise and at sunset. Those are two particular transitions of the day in which the light undergoes a prism effect. So it's a full spectrum of light. And there's a massive movement of solar energy. Not just light, but all of the life energy. Pranic energy, the shakti, power. From the sun that floods that particular location on the planet at sunrise and then recedes at that particular location at sunset. That's called the Sandhya Kala, the transition time. So at that time, all of nature goes through a reset period. So, in a, from a biodynamic standpoint, in the day energy is moving up and at night it begins to move down. It's that transition between the day and the night at sunrise and sunset, similar to the transition of the breath—the ingoing and the outgoing breath—when you sit in meditation and you come to the, the breathless state. At that time, there is with the there's a phenomenal movement of that solar energy that begins to be collected around from the pyramid, that the agni, the nature of the fire. Physically, So the fire is one form of what's called Agni. The sun is another form of Agni. So next principle is the mantra. They're just two mantra. And the mantra are phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Simple, yet phenomenal. The mantra has the impact of surrendering the ego. The evening mantra is Agnaye swaha, Agnaye idam namama, Prajapataye swaha, Prajapataye idam namama. And the morning is Suryaya swaha, Suriyaya idam namama, Prajapataye swaha, Prajapataye idam namama. So the meaning of that, the Agni and Prajapati are similar to Shiva shakti Shiva mean meaning the consciousness the Shakti meaning the power of the consciousness two sides of the same coin it's a nature of life the nature of awakening the nature of consciousness Agni is a form of Vedic vibrational word if you will Nama of that Shakti Prajapati of the Shiva consciousness and the expression of power so agnaye swaha i'm offering all and with that is a rice offering so making a physical offering to the fire to the agni agnaye idam namama my offering is not mine it's thine on a very subtle level what happens is that you are relinquishing ownership of your own offering even of your own intention so whatever you're offering to the fire it could be things you're grateful for. I'm offering all that I love. But what I love is not mine, it's thine. So, slowly, what happens is that by the nature of the Sanskrit vibration of the chant and then the offering, slowly our ego begins to weaken, loosen, detach. Not only the attachments, of the ego the self itself but detachment from the ego itself surrender so saying
0: the mantras you made me think of something that i heard a couple of weeks back you know it's you're supposed to say them in a specific way like in Mm. the proper enunciation because that it's almost like the vedic stuff you were saying like that was kind of like divinely obtained even sanskrit the way that it's said and everything was also divinely obtained apparently It does have these um like almost um otherworldly qualities when you say things the proper way and yeah i just thought that was really fascinating do you do you want to talk about about the vedic knowledge itself or okay if you want to otherwise we can move on to something you also said earlier is that that was the cow dung like that specific you have to use that for the fire and um, maybe you want to talk about that first you know why why is that
1: Yeah, so in terms of the the cow dung itself, Mm -hmm. I had asked my spiritual teacher, why are the cows considered holy? And he said, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) And he answered the question. So I've heard, prior to that point, I've heard descriptions of how byproducts from the cow, all the byproducts of the cow, dung, urine, milk, Non-homogenized, non-processed, A2 milk, even the breath is healing. All the byproducts from the cow is healing for the human being. And so the cow byproducts, including the dung, has medicinal and healing qualities. That's what I heard up to that point. And he had explained that when the cow came to be, that the energetic intelligences of what make life blossom what make life bloom so if you see a puddle of water naturally without doing anything life will grow right in the ground in the soil yeah plants it's it's this is the shakti chaitanya Hmm. of life the when the cow is created he was explaining that there's certain, what are called, of these energies, what are considered divine energies. One of them, he said, one of those energies is it was entering into the cow. And when the cow was created, the, the energetic anatomy of the cow itself. That all of the organs were occupied except for the bladder. So that energetic intelligence occupied the bladder. So every organ of the cow is created from the same energetic principles in a highly pristine state. And the cow is the physical embodiment of the operations of nature that give rise to life, Are the same that gave rise to the cow. And all of its functions which may explain why for example with uh, one of my friends who grew up in India he explained their family had a cow and what they would used to do was sleep in the cow goshala when they were sick and what the cow would do would sense that you were sick and based on what you what was ailing you it would go and eat certain herbs and based on those herbs the milk to that who to those who were sick would be healing really oh i've yeah, never heard a, that before yeah, it's That's fascinating. fascinating yeah so in terms of the cow the so when you take these and that, that's in essence what's happening with the fire with the yugna, that with the mantra that what's happening is if you call your friend by his or her name your friend will respond you may call your friend by a nickname that he or she is familiar with yeah they'll still respond Mm -hmm. you may call your pet by its name it'll respond the same thing is true with these divine shuck these these divine energies of life when you call it by its name it too will respond the Veda Mantra is the vibrational name, signature, vibrational signature of those energies. So it's it's basically, there's a formula if you want to access energies of uh, abundance, prosperity, uh, to reduce attachment. It, it's all there. The Veda mantra is basically the name of calling that forth. Now the fire, the Vedic body of knowledge goes into especially the Rug Veda goes into there quite a bit of detail in terms of the phenomenal nature of fire. It calls it the, the messenger of the gods. fire through all biological properties. Is alive from any biological definition it breeds it reproduces it grows it consumes it interacts with this environment it can be born eventually it'll extinguish a biological definition of being alive being conscious just from a biological definition yeah um, when the mantra are chanted and there's a physical offering to the fire. So, why the rice? Why an offering? That's, a, that's another thing to get into.
0: Do you chant it out loud? Yeah, I chant okay. it out loud. Okay.
1: With the offering of rice in the, from the right hand on the utterance of swaha. Okay. Okay. And when that happens, when it's a fire of particular organic stuff, specifically from the cow, and you chant particular mantras with the offering. What happens is that the mantra themselves physically become embodied in the fire. So the fire becomes alivened with the mantra Shakti in its full power, in its full expression, before you.
2: So that that's much more powerful than just saying the mantra by itself then. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And the reason why, particularly if it's divine energies, particularly the energies that give rise to life, the energies that give rise for the desire to want to experience the truth, to want to purify, to shed the ego, the divine energies. The fire that comes from a cow is a suitable carrier, is a suitable medium for these divine energies to come forth.
2: And you mentioned Kundalini before, and when I saw your website, "Awaken Inner Fire," that was the first thing that I thought of. Was like, oh, is is this practice help to activate Kundalini, or is there is that the reference that it's made to that when you say inner fire, is that the inner fire you're talking about? Or
1: yes, yeah, so the the inner fire, the as my spiritual teacher has explained to me, are essential nature of what we are before manifestation into creation is one of divine light so of the light the Agni is of the same nature when we are making an offering to the fire we are using the fire as a medium to connect to that light of what we in essence are. And specifically the Agni Prajapati. The it's the, the the twofold aspect of the template of creation. As the Vedas say we come from consciousness and it's the expression of consciousness that From which we are all here later the elements come we come to be now the light in terms of what we are is a form of Agni now Agni is one expression of Agni is fire another expression of Agni is the Sun another expression of Agni is our digestive fire, our Jutter agni. So a property of nature. When we observe fire we can learn the nature of Agni. So for example if you offer uh, wood to a bonfire what happens to the wood? The wood becomes a fire, right? So the wood, it loses its identity as wood and becomes a fire. So the process of Agni is a fusion of two becoming one. That's the nature of Agni. Now when we eat food, the food we eat, chew, mix it with saliva, we swallow and then it goes through our digestive process. Let's say we're eating rice. When we eat the food, the food that we eat gets converted from Whatever it is, say it's rice, goes through the process of digestion, and in its end form, it becomes our cellular matter, right? Through our the process of agni for us, the rice we become the rice, the rice becomes us. When we offer, and actually all of nature feeds through agni. So the process of a cell absorbing water is expression of Agni. A process of uh, roots absorbing nutrients is a process of Agni. Even a plant decaying and the elements going back into the earth is a process of Agni. It's, it's the movement of energy that happens. Now, the going back to your question in terms of the light, the inner fire. So the light is in essence what we are. The yajna, the fire, is a tool given to humanity for anyone, regardless of what spiritual path you're on, regardless of what teacher you may follow, regardless of what lineage you may come from, regardless of your faith, fellowship. It's a science and a technology that is available to anyone and everyone. There's no restriction. Anyone can practice. Women, children... Old, young doesn't matter when and the fire is a medium of Agni in the physical as a tool to awaken the Agni within the Chaitanya the inner light within and it's a it's and there's one process by which that happens there's only one obstacle for that inner light to naturally bloom And that is the ego, the identity that we have rooted in a localized, limited self. When we make decisions, when we make actions that nourish the ego, that separate us from the rest, from the oneness, we are in essence cutting off that light. But when we make actions and do actions, that are selfless, that weaken the ego, that loosens the ego's grip on us, then that's when the inner light shines. The inner light of the self shines.
2: And so you mentioned that you had done meditation before, but you didn't feel you were getting the progress that you wanted. And so since you've been doing this practice, have you had some big shifts or have you noticed a difference?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So. I had, so in terms of how I came to Agnihotra, I was initially, it was in 2003 in law school, but I was also practicing a yoga and a chanting practice as well. And so I had three. And I, there's a stretch where seven hours a day of the spiritual disciplines get up at four. I wasn't doing my schoolwork, I wasn't. <laughs> I was going to say, how did that go? It's <laughs> not work for my schoolwork. <laughs> good, good with everything else. And I made a decision to, uh, so meditation was my main focus. And so I made a decision, uh, The the guidance I was receiving, eventually you choose one, one path. Uh, it can be any path, but choose one and go all the way into it. And I, Made a decision to follow the yoga, and I followed the yoga since 2003 to about 2008 five years, and I followed that. Stead and it was intense, intense because it's you know three four hours a day total with the yoga itself morning wow. and evening yeah, and um, yeah I was losing weight because uh, you shouldn't eat for about six hours before so if I didn't eat lunch at a certain time I just wouldn't eat lunch. Um, just intense. And I realized that I had gotten to a plateau in my meditation when I was in what I'd considered a very good meditation. And I noticed that what I would do is scan my body, the meditation at the time, I would scan my body and I would focus on whatever felt heavier. And then for whatever felt heavier, keep my attention there and keep relaxing. Relaxing 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 and if my concentration was good Then eventually what would happen is that it would just completely dissipate. There'd be nothing there. Okay, that was a good session But then if I wanted to continue the meditation What I needed to do was basically re-scan and find another point to kind of focus my attention and what I would realized Was that I was only going so deep I had a plateau because I wasn't going deeper and once that dissipated, there was I didn't have anything to focus on, or the concentration, the the object of concentration was gone at that point. So I had to find a new one. I just noted that.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's exactly where I get in my meditations. I can get to a certain level of deepness, and then that's it. Yeah. I feel like I can't go any further. And I, honestly, I feel kind of stuck, and then I just kind of come
1: out of it. Mm. Yeah. So how I uh, it was in so in 2008 I reconnected with my spiritual teacher. And I was resistant at the time because I was already on a path and I didn't want to change it. But he had came to visit us in Chicago, fortuitously. Timing worked out very well. And he had suggested I meditate on the sound. And I didn't want to change course. Right, I didn't want to start over, but I'd asked him, "Okay, if I try this, would my progress be quick?" I know maybe that's <laughs> not a spiritual thing, but <laughs> but you know, yeah. I don't want I don't want to in in the spirit of service, yeah. To if I'm trying to reach my full potential to to be of service, I don't want I want to do everything within my power to uh, be as productive as possible with the effort I give in. And so make that includes making the right decisions in terms of what practices I take on and okay. focus on. Yeah. And he said, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, okay, I tried it. And when I sat down to meditate, I remember thinking, it was like, hmm, sound. What is the sound? Where is the sound? And so initially I was focusing on finding where is the sound. And I was able to hear a very, an inner rumble, a very subtle inner rumble, which you can probably hear if you plug your ears. It sounds like the ocean. And I was focusing on that. And then there was something that just clicked. There was just a resonance when I just tapped into that inner sound that I immediately felt all this tension in my head dissipate. That i've never felt before a level of clarity of my head within my head within my own thoughts uh I, and even the days following i was a different person the way i would think the way i process i was working in a law firm so needing to think on my feet process all that stuff is important and i was blown away blown away but it was just a 20-minute meditation session something i've never experienced before and Later on that night, uh, he was staying in our guest room, and I went to our guest room, and I told him about my experience. And he had mentioned to me, he said that was good, he was happy that I had experienced that. And then what he had mentioned to me was that what he had given me was the, what I would experience is that the movement of energy would cycle up through the spine, and cycle up through, and settle in the front, in the navel. And one cycle of that energy is the equivalent of one solar year of meditation. And he said he gave that to me without me asking. And I was, sh- I didn't know what to say.
2: Thank you. Well, that's what I said. <laughs> I,
1: I felt stupid saying it, but I didn't know what else. <laughs> and... Um, well, I remember I went to sleep that night. I was, I was blown away. I, uh, how fortuitous! How lucky! Like, well, yeah. wow! Yeah. I had no words. And so the next day I had, um, I had asked him. Uh, how do I repay you? Um, thank you for, I mean, I, I, I don't have words to describe my gratitude. How can I repay you? And he said, you know, truly, in you know, perfectly frank. There is no way to repay, repay for, because that's grace. You can't repay grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said, "Do through because it makes the Almighty happy. And I said, "Okay." And then I'd asked him, "If I follow your teachings, can I discard everything else?" Because what he was teaching was so much easier than the other practices I was doing. <laughs> so much easier. He gave a very focused look. I knew something was processing. He said, yeah, you can do that and you'll be fine. And so uh, since then I started my... I did Agni Hothra for about six months in 2003. I noticed my meditation improve. And then when I restarted in 2008 with Agni Hothra, with meditation focusing on the sound, initially it was very difficult, but focusing on the sound and... Focus and it could be a mantra the mantra om is a universal mantra not an initiation but just a a mantra anyone can chant and aligning the sound with the breath and with the practice of pranayama what happens is that if you become adept at your pranayama practice and your meditation practice the sound and the breath the prana begin to fuse and you may feel at certain points the breath and the sound become a sound current and as your energy channels open particularly the sushumna in the spine you'll notice that the sound current becomes very thick moving a lot of energy dense pranic energies beginning to move with the breath and as a more subtle that it becomes there's a certain switch where instead of saying the mantra the mantra feels like it's coming to you and in that time you get into a breathless state your breath becomes very still in fact the ingoing breath and the outgoing breath become equal. That's when true, med- that's when exponential progress comes with meditation. So, a couple questions. You teach
0: this to people, right? Like this Agnihotra practice. You, you teach groups of people how to do this. And is that part of it, the sound part of it too,
1: that you're, you're teaching them? or Provided people get to that level. Okay. Yeah. The first step is becoming consistent with Agnihotra. Because what Agnihotra does, so there's a principle of light which we talked about with the light of what we are and when in the act of surrender surrendering the ego which is by virtue of the mantra has the impact on reducing the ego attachment and binding to the self to our self that through the principle of light through the medium of the fire through the channel of the agni That's a process in which the inner light begins to bloom. Now, there's also a process of subtle sound in terms of how Agnihotra operates. And there's actually been quite a bit of years, decades of research in terms of how the environment around Agnihotra mitigates pollution, even nuclear radiation. Yugoslavian scientists had detected an anomaly after the Chernobyl incident in the late 80s, early 90s, where there had been no nuclear radiation detected, where Agnihotra was practiced on the farms. My teacher actually traveled to Chernobyl to teach people Agnihotra at that time. Oh, wow.
2: That's really cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the sound is a, it impacts you on an atomic level, even a subatomic level. It's a subtle, resonance that reverses the effects of pollution, which pollution operates to create a dissonance, an atomic dissonance that mutates the manner in which cells with really molecules, atoms, molecules bond, and that impacts cellular function.
2: That made me think of, um, you know, messages from water, Mm. that same kind of thing where they had taken water from this like polluted lake or river, and then um, people prayed over it. And and then when they, you know, because they were um, taking like snapshots or some in some way they were looking at the, are you familiar with the book? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what the technology was that they were like using whether a microscope or something where they were looking at the molecules of the water. And they looked at it before when the polluted water and it was all discombobulated. And then the people prayed on, over it. And then after it had become, you know, beautiful in geometric pattern. And then the other thing I thought of, too, was the, that Maharishi effect.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, I don't know when that was, like in the 70s, maybe, where when Maharishi was a popular yogi. And they had those uh, experiments with people meditating in certain cities and they'd said something like just one if, if you could just get one percent of the population t- together all meditating they were doing the transcendental meditation all meditating together um, at the same time it had like a a big um, effect on the crime rate like all of this is just kind of this like vibrational medicine and and how we could use it if we would practice it and try it and you know believe it I liked on your on the video on your website when you had the one guy talking about this the homa is it homa I don't know it's called farming um and he said yeah I had to just temporarily suspend my disbelief and try it and just see what happens and so I feel like oh if people could just do that you know there's these different all these these different experience you know like the ones I just mentioned and what you're saying that um show that something's happened and why, why wouldn't we try it? It doesn't really cost anything compared to like all this money that we spend on all of this technology and science and so forth. This is, you know, people just getting together and, and doing these practices for pretty much nothing.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, and it, it reminds me of, you know, the power of when we do something together as a group, it seems to amplify the effect and, um, you know, I've found that with meditation, you know, just as a simple example, whenever I'm meditating alone, you know, I, it, it's fine. I get to where I'm going. But, um, when I meditate in a group, it's almost instantaneous. I get there, you know, like it takes me a lot less time to get where I'm going. And I know that's like, it's hard to describe, but you know, if you meditate, you know that. And, uh, I just feel like that's the power of, that we have together
1: as a group. Yeah, that's, that is true that is true but what I would caution Mm -hmm. with that in terms of what you say in terms of trying it and actually doing it the foundation to anything if we're gonna make progress is the consistency the daily consistency like if you're gonna do a juice fast you gotta fast completely for the juice to flush through the system and purify the system the and that's exactly it it really it really comes down to are you willing to do what it takes to take it to the next level spiritually are you willing to what are you willing to do what are you not willing to do if you're willing to do anything and everything if the drive is strong enough if the if the the yearning is strong enough that's what fuels the consistency that's what fuels a practice and well there's actually uh, in the in the Upanishads this is from the, the Vedas uh, there's a beautiful uh, dialogue between student and teacher and the student had asked what causes someone to even want to desire to reach the self, the Supreme Self. So where does that desire first come from? And the answer struck me. It was a beautiful answer. And he said that the answer comes from the self itself. And it's when you do good deeds, meaning selfless acts, when you're reducing the, the grip the ego has and that inner light begins to shine, that inner light is where all the knowledge is. The wisdom is, and when the inner light there's a there's kind of a, a threshold, where there, when we get to a point where we know it's the right thing to do, but uh, I got other priorities, to when you know what, um, sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm willing to do, I, I want to try it, and when we get to that point, then that's when it's easier uh, to make a commitment to a practice.
2: You mentioned before that this knowledge had been lost, Mm -hmm. how did it come back into being and who who rediscovered it? Is Mm -hmm. that through the lineage of your teacher or?
1: So the Vedic body of knowledge, in essence, is eternal. Meaning the Vedas itself are the, you can think of the source code of the universe. So the Bible talks about, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Vedas say the same thing. The first creation was the space element, Akash, in which sound reverberates through the space. And from the space element, through sound, all of the elements came to be. Air, fire, water, earth, food, humans. And the Vedic vibration, sound, call it knowledge, is basically the blueprint for manifest creation. So, for example, Ananda means joy. If you chant Ananda, and I don't recommend you do this, but if you chant Ananda... Uh, bl- bliss joy bliss if you chant ananda then you become you you take on the manifest trait of that sound you become joyful blissful if you chant and i don't recommend you chant om gam Ganapate namaha it's gam is a seed mantra for ganapate And Ganapati is the expression of that seed of wisdom, fearlessness. It also aligns the root chakra. So when you begin a task, things are ordered in the right way. So things happen in the proper sequence.
2: So why would you recommend that we, or don't recommend that we chant bliss or fearlessness or
1: mantras should come if you were to, and I've gone through this, if you are going to chant a mantra, it should come from a self-realized master. My own teacher had given me the okay to instruct people with the mantra Om, to chant the mantra Om. Beyond that, I don't instruct with mantras and I I actually had a personal experience where I was given a mantra by someone who is not self-realized and I just in the way I was was very intense with my practice and I uh, severely injured myself with the mantra itself that was in 2004 and the physical effects I'm still healing from that's interesting
0: i i i didn't know if that was a real thing or not because i had actually seen that somewhere where they said the same thing you're saying right now that if you don't get the mantra from the proper source then you can actually do more harm than good and i didn't i'd never heard that anywhere else when you do your practice is there i mean you have to be outside right it's obviously aligned with nature very closely so um, are there special places that you're supposed to do it? Or is it just kind of a thing where you can do
1: anywhere? Yeah, you can do anywhere, even inside. And even if you're in the shade, the sun isn't specifically there. Because the, it's the entire atmosphere. It's the effect on the atmosphere that is happening at those transition times. And the effect also impacts the physical system. And specifically our breath regulates everything our mind the functions of our body everything is regulated through the breath and that's why when you become adept at your pranayama practice when you become adept at breath control that's when mind control comes you can your thoughts your mind becomes your own tool rather than it driving you I've noticed that fire when
0: you look at fire it's actually very very bright but unlike looking at a light bulb you know i feel like when you stare at a light bulb like you can do damage because you look away and it's like you're blinded kind of but you can stare directly into a fire and it's just as bright it's it's very bright and look away and it's like nothing like nothing like no damage you know and you then you look at the sun it's almost like um the sun and the fire themselves like have this, I don't know what kind of quality it is. It's this very similar quality and even color. And so I noticed that there is something really unique about fire. Um, this is a comment here. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that though.
1: Well, yeah, I mean the, so the fire itself is an expression of Agni. We are an expression of Agni. The, the light of what we are is an expression of Agni the fire the self it comes from the same it's the same essence though we're different physical expressions of fire the human body but in essence the nature is the same one of agni the expression of power of what we are what the fire is it's in essence the same the that's why it's a wonderful medium it's a wonderful tool the Vedas, when I, when I mentioned before in terms of why the, how the Vedas talk about the uh, fire, it did so many hymns dedicated to fire. And it's something so powerful in combination with the mantra that even the almighty supreme truth, if you chant the mantra, make the offering to the fire, that supreme principle it must come and manifest before you it doesn't have a choice so that's why the in, in the Vedas in the Rig Veda specifically it calls the fire the messenger of the gods, like the conduit and the reason why I mentioned it's such a phenomenal tool um, why I feel so fortunate that the uh, that the teachings have been brought back which actually. That was actually the question I think, right?
2: That's what just came into my mind. I was like, that point, my question didn't get answered. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, That the uh, the the fire becomes we when we make these offerings to the fire, especially particularly to Agni Hothra, What is in essence being channeled, the Shiva Shakti Prajapati, Agni Prajapati Surya. It is that divine principle. It is the Supreme Self that is being manifested before us. And when we make the offerings to the fire, through the nature of Agni, of two becoming one, the self of what we are becomes diffused with the self of what's manifesting in the fire. And what the barrier, the ego, slowly becomes dissolved away over time it's a process it's a practice
2: yeah so do you because we we often talk about um this time that we live in now and how a lot of us feel that we know we're going through a shift and that there's more people awakening on the planet right now do you feel that i don't know when i was wondering when these um practices got rediscovered and if do you feel like it's part of this, you know, it's a tool that we in this time as more people are needing to awaken and, and are maybe getting ready to awaken.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was in September 1944 when this practice came to be. Hmm. When it was rediscovered. And it was my spiritual teacher, Sadhguru, that he Phenomenal man. His name is Sri Gajanan Maharaj Param Sadhguru. Very few people know about him. He's very humble, never try to seek attention. But it was his mission to rejuvenate the Vedas for all humanity and emphasize that it's universal knowledge for all that is no conflict with anyone's religion that doesn't require anyone to convert their faith to practice and embody the teachings and a vedic way of life and that there's scientific principles to be discovered and learned through the vedic body of knowledge and the foremost teaching is the rejuvenation of yajna The fire, the fire offerings, which had been lost, and the yajnas in essence are a tool for humanity. Several thousands of you, multiple upon multiples, multiples of millennia ago, it was tools of the rishis who had download were downloaded really revealed the Vedic knowledge. It was a tool for a human being to become one with divinity. Is a process in which when you make the offering to the fire, you become that which you are offering. So with Agni Hothra, we become that divine essence. So and it's, a, it's a phenomenal tool that became reawakened in September 1944. So
2: he received it like in meditation the way that the rishis did? Or he, he rediscovered some ancient texts? or he,
1: So he actually had a vision that was symbolic of the Vedas, it was four dogs that were very sick, almost dead. and he knew that they represented the Vedic body of knowledge. And his own sadhguru, his mission was to protect the Vedas. and he had thought to himself that, the Guru dakshina which is when a teacher comes and takes you as his or her student and enables you to become exactly what he or she is, when you become empowered, then it's customary to repay the teacher. Thank you. How can I... What can I do to repay this debt of gratitude? It's called a gurudakshana. So he thought to himself that his gurudakshana should be to rejuvenate the Vedas. Hmm. And when he made the vow, to he actually practiced three days of silence. Didn't speak to anyone. He wanted to conserve the shakti and to make sure his words had potency. Because he knew it was a... You know it was in a small order and when he made the vow to resuscitate rejuvenate the Vedas for all humanity that's what my spiritual to- teacher told me was the transition of the Kali yoga to the Yoga began at that moment mm. that impacted all of creation and the foundation of that transition comes from the nature of yajna itself. So the are you familiar with the Bhagavad Gita?
0: Yeah, I know of it yeah, but not, not of it. yeah, I of it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I haven't read it. So yeah.
1: the Bhagavad Gita in Chapter 3, depending on the version you have, speaks of this. The basic function of yajna is to create balance between humanity and the cosmos the the life sustaining energies of nature the energetic intelligences that give rise to life and support life so when we eat food we become nourished by the food through the process of agni when we do yajna and we offer to the fire And we invoke the different energetic intelligences through the mantra. The offering to the fire, just like when we eat food and it's digested and it gets converted into a form of energy that the body can absorb, when we offer the fire to these energetic intelligences, the rice it converts into a form of energy that these intelligent devas, devas, devas and devatas, are what's called in the in the Vedas, that they can receive the energies, that they become empowered. Mm-hmm. So the basic idea of yajna is balance, universal balance. So just as we receive food, sunlight, air, to live all life, we In turn feed and nourish those life-sustaining energies through the performance of yajna and in doing so that's what brings balance to all life not only life on earth but life in different planes of consciousness what the Vedas describe as lokas different uh, realms of where consciousness can manifest and be it can bring universal peace balance to all life uh, that's yajna it's the nature of yajna and for me my personal belief is that the reason if you look at where this state was in 1944 it was in the middle of world war ii and there was uncertainty in terms of which side would win all the entire world was at war fire bombings so many things happening at that time the purpose of Yajna is to bring balance between huma- humanity, nature, to where when balance comes to be, when the mind becomes purified, when the mind doesn't become pulled with ego nourishing thoughts but can become driven through selfless desire, when the mind becomes purified, when we become stabilized, when we equalize the energy exchange between us and nature, us and the universe, then that's when balance throughout human civilization with nature throughout all life comes to be. That's the foundation for peace.
2: I saw the clip from a documentary that is that are you part of that documentary that's being put, that's on your website mm-hmm. um is that something that you're yeah, doing
0: yeah the trailer
2: yeah yeah so it's, it seems like you have a strong mission to I, I'm assuming the documentary is to kind of really spread the word since not so many people know about this practice yet
1: yeah yeah so the documentary trailer is on our website mhm uh, awakeninnerfire.com mm-hmm and the purpose of the documentary is to share the science and the research so to share Agnihotra in a scientific standpoint particularly with its effects on agriculture there are a number of experiments done in Peru um, that just rejuvenated the the plant life the agricultural life in Peru and also experiments done in Uh, In Russia and Soviet Union at the time with respect to nuclear mitigation and then so many if you Google Agnihotra in experiments you'll see so many experiments done in terms of how the ash helps the quality of seed germination sprouting plant growth the nutrient density of the fruits vegetables how Uh, leaves look more healthy, that are living in an Agni Hothra environment, just as it affects plant life, every, all, it affects everything, because it it reverses the effects of pollution, by through the resonance, it heals and repairs that subatomic dissonance that results from pollution, all the toxins within the food we eat, pesticides, herbicides, everything, air pollution, so many... EMF radiation, so many things we're bombarded with. Agnihotra produces a protective shield over us and our environment. So what happens is this resonance heals at the subatomic level, so all life can flourish. And yeah, I mean, I I truly believe we are in a shift. And the reason why I am so call to this mission of sharing Agnihotra, and sharing the science behind it, is that I believe it can bring peace on Earth, peace, um, healing to the environment, where we can live in balance. We don't, have, we don't have to be on Earth and pollute, but we can be on Earth and heal. Heal nature, heal ourselves. And with the documentary, the goal is to, at least in this documentary, to share Agnihotra from a scientific perspective. So, people can understand and digest the research that's already been done with the idea of promoting peer-reviewed research, university-level research, government-level research. So, if there's something... I haven't come across anything that um, has shown effects to mitigate nuclear radiation. I haven't seen anything. But, here we have this practice. From a scientific community perspective if there's something we should at least test it put it through the rigors of the scientific process yeah definitely and that's that's what we want to promote with with the documentary
2: that's exciting yeah yeah,
0: yeah it really is mm-hmm. so can you tell people how to find the documentary or, and find you if they want to go and you know learn how to
1: practice Agni Hultra with you yeah yeah so on our website awakeninnerfire.com has all the information in terms of what we do, um, how to contact us, how to be notified of events we put on. Everything we do is free. It's a community service, I have my own job. So the teachings, free. The group meditations we have, free. Yoga, meditation, free. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's for, the purpose is for the upliftment, because this is how the teachings were transmitted thousands of years, and that is alive here today. And on the website under so the documentary trailer, uh, there's a tab what we do. So under documentary, our documentary trailers there. Under HOMA Farming is our HOMA farming pilot documentary, about a nine minute video of an interview with a really good awesome person Adam Russell
2: that was a really good interview I think that was really helpful Awesome,
1: mm-hmm. awesome.
0: I missed did. that one I'm gonna have to look at that one mm-hmm. yeah
2: also the one because there's um, videos where you're explaining the practice mm-hmm. and those are really helpful too okay. yeah okay. clearly explained
1: yeah
0: that's fantastic I mean I think it's awesome that you're doing everything for free too I didn't know
1: that mm-hmm. actually and then uh, yeah I mean it's an honor truly it's an honor to have an opportunity to share so in terms of events there's an events tab. So if you go on the events tab, you can see a calendar of where we're going to be and contact information of if you want to join wherever we are. We also have an email list. So we notify people of when we'll be, where we'll be. And we'll, 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 we'll expand that out with the newsletter, blog posts, things like that. Also, huge, huge event. My spiritual teacher will be coming to Austin the week of June 12th. 2020 june 12 2020 and we'll be having a number of events the opportunity to learn from someone who he himself had been revealed the vedic knowledge through his own experience he knows the vedic knowledge to learn about the practice to learn about the vedas and to have even questions answered Phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity.
0: Will you have information about that on your website when it gets closer, or yeah, okay. they'll be
1: available on the website. If you contact us at awakeninnerfire at gmail.com, mm-hmm. it'll go to our our group email. You can contact me at gau g a u at awakeninnerfire dot com. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where we. Where someone has an interest, even if it's, you know, just whatever it is, someone has an interest, we'll be there to share. And whoever shows the willingness to want to take the next step, we're there to support. And it's a, it's a community. It's a community that we have. We actually have so a few things coming up. May 9th, we will have a Friendsgiving potluck. It is a lot of fun. You know, we come, we meditate together, we perform Agnihotra, we share food. We have a lot of musicians in the group. So we have a you know, jam session. It's a lot of fun. That's May 9th, June 12th. If, if everything, mark your calendars for June 12th. And uh, the, the limited seating. Um, so when it, the event is up, you know, be sure to RSVP. There'll be a number of events. But there'll also be a small group session which uh, he's been to Austin before, but he hasn't had this. And it's for those who, where the yearning is there. And if the yearning is there, and you really want to take your, your spiritual life evolution to the next level, and you're willing to do what it takes, there's an opportunity for you to go deeper. And that's in the weekend of June 12th. And so we're still, we're forming the program, but just remember June 12th, it'll be a phenomenal opportunity.
0: Oh, that, that all sounds so great. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. And, uh, and thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. It's been a great conversation.
1: Yeah. It's been great. I, I don't know if I actually got to all the questions this one, but hopefully it's enough. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You did did great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah. No problem.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Gao Bodhipudi for taking the time to talk with us and sharing his knowledge with us. If you'd like to learn more about Gao, Agnihotra, or any of the events he mentioned during the conversation, please visit his website, awakeninnerfire.com. I'd also like to say thank you to Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going and Casey Henson for creating the music we use on this podcast For more information about us or to access past episodes please visit our website beyondtheillusionpodcast.com and you can find us on social media as well If you're enjoying this podcast please leave a rating for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from This will help other people find us. Take care.